Hi, my name is Chris, and this is episode four of the Real Recognize Real podcast. The schedule for award season is really screwy this year. The Oscars are taking place on February 9th, much earlier than they've ever taken place before. And so you're getting this scrunched up award season, so all of these precursors that would have had basically the entire month of January to to sort of spread out now have the first two weeks more or less to to sort of get their get their 15 minutes in in the news cycle uh, before the Oscar nominations come out on January 13th uh, Monday of of next week I believe so in the last three days we've had the Golden Globes we've had the Golden Globes give out their awards the Writers Guild announced their theatrical nominees, and the BAFTAs announced their nominees. Two of those blew the race wide open. The last of those sort of slammed it shut, I guess. I'll talk about these sort of in order. Starting with the Golden Globes, which... <sighs> Somewhere in the somewhere on the two hour mark in this three and a half hour monstrosity, I'm thinking to myself, oh, this'll be a relatively normal Golden Globes. Nothing super out of the ordinary is happening. Everything is coming up chalk. Parasites winning Best International Film and so on and so forth. But I should have known better. Because then the Golden Globes gave the award for Best Animated Feature to Missing Link, of all things. Leica Animation has been campaigning out the wazoo for this film. So, Missing Link winning the Golden Globe isn't a shock to a large degree, but it stood out as this this very globesy moment in a... Show that had, to that point, not been very Globesy. Usually, the Globes are fun and funny and sort of off the wall, and you don't don't really expect what's going to happen. And up until the Animated Feature Award, it had just been kind of dour, and the awards had been going to the favorites, and at least for me, I had been sort of set into this lull, coasting along, the Golden Globes are fine, and then this happens. And then Sam Mendes won Best Director for 1917, and then 1917 won Best Motion Picture Drama. 1917 is great. It is one of my favorite films of 2019. But this was not something that a lot of people saw coming. So going back to last year, when Bohemian Rhapsody won the Drama Globe, that sort of announced it as a true blue best picture contender. This wasn't necessarily on that same level. Awards prognosticators knew that 1917 was going to be a factor in the best picture race. The question was to what degree. Before the Globes, I had sort of had it as the fifth, maybe even sixth horse in a three-horse race. You had... Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and The Irishman as the very clear frontrunners. 
and then you had Marriage Story in fourth, and you had 1917 and Jojo Rabbit sort of in fifth and sixth, depending on the day. But this, oh boy, it's still a three-horse race. I don't, immediately after, immediately after this announcement, the Oscar is still a three-horse race. I just wasn't sure what the third horse was because you had Parasite winning international film and you had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood winning comedy and musical and those two were to be expected. But 1917 coming out on top with two Golden Globes and The Irishman coming away with absolutely nothing and now you have 1917 potentially securing itself as the third horse in what's potentially a four to five horse race now because at that point you had Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 1917, The Irishman, A Marriage Story all sort of jockeying for position. You had, you know, Parasite and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood getting the awards that they needed. International feature film for Parasite and then you had once Upon a Time on Hollywood, getting screenplay and Best Supporting Actor for Brad Pitt, which we'll get to. Um, so those two films sort of kept going, kept... Those two films kept their momentum going, uh, coming out of the Golden Globes. And then you had these other three films, one of which in 1917 had its momentum skyrocket. And the other two, The Irishman and Marriage Story, saw their stock plummet especially the irishman the golden globes love themselves some martin scorsese to so to see the globes just shun the film entirely was was kind of stunning especially on a night where in other categories we're starting to see the locks truly become the locks you had brad pitt for supporting actor you may as well start writing the Oscar speech. Same thing with Laura Dern in Supporting Actress and Renee Zellweger in Lead Actress. You're starting to see some of these acting categories. You're starting to see a consensus form and truly come to fruition. For some of these roles, it's been a couple of months now that it they've been the front runner, but now it's starting to really happen and we're starting to see, okay, this is going to be you know, this this is it. This is this is actually happening. The sole exception to this rule is the best actor category, which, once again, got turned on its head by Joaquin Phoenix winning in in drama for Joker, and Taron Egerton winning in comedy or musical for Rocket Man. Rocket Man's a pretty good movie. And Taron Egerton is really good in it. Deserves deserves the award far more than Rami Malek did last year. Uh, for one, Taron actually sings. But Joaquin winning sort of stunts the momentum of Adam Driver, who he was directly competing against, and sort of shifts that momentum back to back towards Joaquin. So now we have and and. Egerton winning, especially over somebody like Leo, who Leo, especially over somebody like Leonardo DiCaprio, who was who was also nominated, 
in the comedy or musical category, Egerton is sort of that fourth spot now. I still think Phoenix, Driver, and DiCaprio are all getting nominated, but now Egerton has made himself known. The Golden Globes happened right towards the end of the Oscar voting period. Now you might see people returning to Rocketman and seeing that performance and deciding to vote for it and deciding to put it on their ballots for that Best Actor category. So that, to me, was probably the most consequential award of the night was that was that win for Egerton and that might just be enough to have that campaign pay off and have him on on the list come nomination morning but wrapping back around to best picture right then and there right after the golden globes my immediate thoughts were oh boy the wga is going to be interesting because some of the awards prognosticators have been saying, you know, if 1917 gets an original screenplay nomination, it is, it might be golden. It might be, it might be the one. And to me, the screenplay was the weakest part of 1917. So for it to get a, an original screenplay Oscar nomination, that would be a real sign that it has momentum and the Writers Guild, while it's not the Oscars, they often, that the Guild and the Writers Branch at the, uh, at the Academy do have a ton of overlap. And lo and behold, their nominations for the Writers Guild Awards come out the next morning. 1917 is there in Best Original Screenplay. Best Original Screenplay, it's 1917, Booksmart, Knives Out, Marriage Story, and Parasite. Once Pine Tom in Hollywood is not eligible because Quentin Tarantino is not a guild member, so this has no bearing on whether or not that that script is going to get nominated. It's going to get nominated. I'm sorry, Booksmart, but you were the replacement. And then Best Adapted, it's A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women. And gonna focus on the original screenplay because who boy we're in for one because this to me signals that you've got parasite and you've got 1917 both right there you've got them right there in best original screenplay and i and i think that this year it's gonna be you know you swap out booksmart for once upon a time in hollywood and there's your five it's 1917 knives out marriage story parasite hollywood there's your five in original screenplay, I think. So this could mean a lot for, for 1917. And so after the Writers Guild Awards come out, we have this wide open race and oh my God, all the possibilities. And then the BAFTAs just have to come and shit on it. I stayed up for... To, to watch the nominations get dropped for the BAFTAs. I could have gone to sleep. I should have gone to sleep. I just... Good Lord. These nominations were bad. Like, really bad. Not just the... all-white acting nominees. Not just the all-male directing nominees. Which I will get to. 
but just good god oh, Todd Phillips is really going to get a directing nomination isn't he Oh, no. The interesting category to me here at the BAFTAs is leading actor. You have Leonardo DiCaprio, Adam Driver, Joaquin Phoenix, Taron Egerton, and Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. Jonathan Price is really good in The Two Popes. I really like his performance uh his counterpart anthony hopkins is nominated in supporting actor i also really like his performance as well but the nomination for for price could really signal that it's sort of him or de niro for that fifth slot if we're taking dicaprio edgerton driver phoenix as foregone conclusions at this point i still think it's going to be de niro at the end of the day uh, getting that Oscar nomination. But Price receiving the lead actor nomination, Hopkins getting the Hopkins getting the supporting actor nomination, and two popes also getting in at adapted screenplay, that displays a certain amount of support for this film in the Academy. The BAFTAs and the Academy have somewhat of an overlap. The BAFTAs are basically the British Academy Awards. So they're probably one of the better bellwethers for for the Oscars coming into it uh, outside of the guilt. Obviously, there's going to be some very, very British picks. Jesse Buckley in Wild Rose for Leading Actress is an example. She's not going to get a nomination at the Oscars. I hope that Wild Rose gets a nomination for Original Song, but Jesse Buckley is just, it's not happening. But she's here at the Baskets. So is Saoirse Ronan, who has been getting some steam as of lately. And I think this could be, this could mean that she is, that she could be in there on Oscar nomination morning. Same thing with her co-star Florence Pugh for supporting actress from Little Women. Little Women's sort of a late breaker. Only came out on Christmas, didn't screen for anybody but the Academy beforehand. So... Those two getting nominations and Greta Gerwig getting a screenplay nomination, that definitely says to me at least that there's a ton of support behind that film as well. But nobody is happy with this list of nominations. Um, there's already a BAFTA's So White hashtag on Twitter and just no female directors, especially with Todd Phillips. As the five, oh my god, there's nothing there in his direction of Joker. The other four are Sam Mendes for 1917, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. There's something there in the other four directing nominations. Those four are really well-directed movies. The Joker is not a well-directed movie. I, I I don't get it. You have Greta Gerwig, you have Lulu Wong, you have Celine Sciamma, Mackie Giop, any number, any other director. But they go with Todd Phillips. Oh, Jesus. 
In a perfect world, Joker would be getting two nominations. It would be getting a nomination for Joaquin Phoenix, and it would be getting a nomination for Hilder Guanadatir for the score. The world is not perfect, and it's probably going to get several more. But... (sighs) When Todd Phillips' name is called a nomination morning, that's going to piss me off. So, I'm going to just take the rest of the week to mentally prepare for that. But, the big outrage has been all 20 of the acting nominees were white. Which, I mean, there are plenty of acting performances this year from people of color that are more than worthy of awards consideration. You have Jennifer Lopez, you have Aquavina, you have Zhao Xu Shen, you have Jonathan Majors from The Last Black Man in San Francisco, you have none of the Parasite actors, Song Kang Ho for supporting actor. I, it just, and all of them got ignored. For Margot Robbie and Scarlett Johansson getting getting two nominations and just yeah. all of them got ignored. And I it really does dishearten me. But the one thing that stands out to me among all the discourse is that most of the people that most of the people that are pushing the BAFTA's So White hashtag on Twitter are pushing it along with Lupita Nyong'o's performance in Us. Which, boy, anybody who's doing that should take a moment to step back, look in the mirror, and really think about themselves for a moment. Because, Jesus Christ, do they not realize it's an incredibly ableist performance? Like, are people with disabilities just kind of chop liver? Do we not exist to you people? I just, what pisses me off about that performance and about Jordan Peele's theatrical output in general is that put so much effort into making certain aspects of minority life in America so clear and make makes such good points and about life in America. And then he just kind of leaves disabled people by the wayside and reinforces negative stereotypes about people with disabilities just kind of for the hell of it. And I just... To me, if you're going to make the argument that acting awards should be more diverse in terms of... in terms of race, you should not be using an ableist performance as the vanguard for that line of thinking. It doesn't sit right with me because that's that's two that's one step forward, two steps back. We can do so much better. And it just highlighting a performance like that where it's just so blatantly ableist and reinforcing negative stereotypes that have existed for hundreds if not thousands of years in literature and media 
about people with disabilities, it just, it doesn't sit right with me as a person with a disability who cares about movies and cares about seeing himself depicted honestly and respectfully on screen. And Lupita Nyong'o's performance does, to me, does more damage than a straight villainous depiction of a person with a disability because because of Jordan Peele's efforts to to make strides in other areas and putting in a performance like that in a film that tries to make strides in so many more er so many in other areas is more harmful because it's going to get swept under the rug and performances like that don't de don't deserve to just be ignored for what they are and they need to be called out and they need to they need to be scrutinized and we need to say that that's not that's not okay either it, it it's just not and I really wish that people could have looked to other performances instead of Lupita Nyong'o's to, to really champion in terms of people of color because there were so many other better performances this year. And if you're going to care about one aspect of diversity, you have to care about all of them. I guess that's my final point in this rant. Thanks for listening.